The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are on show number 10 for the week. 10 shows. It is, uh, it's Thursday when you're listening to this. We will also have a pick show, of course. If the Browns decide to, uh, you know, do their thing and actually sign a coach, we will do a, uh, a, a recap, uh, emergency podcast for that. There are like four or five emergency podcasts in the queue. So make sure and check those out. Download them all. I'm not begging you for downloads. I wouldn't do that. I'm above that. I'm just saying, if you, you know, download them all that way they're on your phone so you can listen to them when you're, when you get jammed in traffic there or on your commute. We will also be recapping, um, on Friday, uh, bold, some of the bold predictions from the playoffs because they already came true. We got a bunch of good ones. You people may have earned yourselves some Brinson sucks hats. Congratulations. A man who does not suck. That's the only transition I had, Danny. I'm sorry. Danny Cannell to bring some playoff quarterbacks. I got nothing. Um, some people, some people might counter that. Uh, yeah, Eagles fans, well, Eagles fans might think that's you debatable. Suck. Though. <laughs> Is that Devo Devo pop again? <laughs> he wants to stick around to see how this kind of started off. The Eagles fans around the Fort Lauderdale studio are fired up as they are online as well. Well, it's not been a fun four or five days for me. That's for sure. I I would guess not. I mean, look, I'm not going to debate the. Uh, merits of your, your claim on Carson Wentz. Like, I, I do believe that Carson Wentz has shown that he's injury prone. I would say that the, the head injury he suffered is outside the scope of the injury prone from my personal opinion. However, I will not debate with you that Eagles fans are some of the most ravenous responders on social media by far and away. Like, Jaguars fans are like weird and salty. Um, Bucks fans are just get angry if you mention Jameis. Eagles fans, if you, if you go at them at all, they, they will, they will come with the fire of a thousand suns. Oh, it's, I've been, you know, I cover college football a lot and college football fans are nuts, right? Ohio sure. State fans. Yes. Oh my God. They are crazy. I have not incurred a wrath like this. Wow. Um, in my experience in 10 years on Twitter, the amount of it. Now, this is in large part due to Chris Long, who is the favorite son of Philly, bringing them a Super Bowl as a defensive player there. He's a very socially active on social media. He kind of brought attention to my take, which I promise you will. And I get accused of this all the time. And I think we all do this at times is, oh, you're just doing this for a reaction or you just wanted to kind of make waves. I was just responding to a tweet from ESPN's Dan Orlovsky who said, oh, you know, quiet down. You cannot use this 
uh, you know, him leaving the game to question his ability to stay healthy. And I just said, and I said respectfully, I disagree. If you have an injury, it's, it's considered injury prone. Like injuries don't discriminate because it's your head, because it's your ACL, because if you can't stay in the game, that's a problem. And that to me is the definition of injury prone, but that becomes really nuanced discussion. Yeah. And when tweets are out there and Chris Long, who's the, you know, the, the, again, the favorite son of Philly who puts it out there, like, and he all of a sudden lights a match under that. That is a place you do not want to be. And I tried <laughs> to explain myself, went on Philly radio and tried to explain myself a little bit more and they are not having it. So I am not going to be, uh, spending any time for Philly, uh, in Philadelphia anytime soon. And if I do, I might have to get a little security detail with me as well. Or you could wear like a mustache and glasses. Yeah, um, going uh, incognito for so, sure. But, but I would say this though. I think that like, here's the subtlety that, and I think, I think I agree with you and I'm going to make, I'm going to make Debo mad now too, but maybe Debo agrees with this. I think one of the problems with the take is that what you needed to include was that Carson Wentz's style of play makes him injury prone. Like I don't think that Carson Wentz has a soft brain or is more susceptible, but I do think that the way that Carson Wentz plays the game, and I thought, I think this has been true since his first game. I think it was against the Browns, uh, maybe RG3. Is that right? Could that be right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. that was right. Um, he's running along the sidelines and he, he, he just, he doesn't get out. He doesn't, he doesn't divert himself from, uh, from, uh, collisions. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't give himself up early. He doesn't get out of bounds. It's the thing that Russell Wilson does better than any quarterback, maybe in the history of football. And it's, it's predicated on his size, uh, his, in, his ability as a baseball player to see down the field, uh, with, with sort of peripheral vision that a lot of quarterbacks don't see and his, in his sliding ability that I think comes from playing baseball. But like Russell Wilson avoids contact at all cost. And it's smart. It's something that Marvin Harrison did with the Colts. He would get down and Reggie Wayne learned it. They would get down early after catching a pass and avoid contact, avoid hits. And, I think Carson Wentz is really bad about that and he wants to try and make the play happen and he's just so eager to make something happen that it, that to me, that to me makes him more susceptible to injury and that's why he is injury prone in my opinion. Totally, totally agree. And that Debo would say, well, how's he supposed to protect himself from a dirty hit? Cause we had this argument. We were yelling at each other before we started recording this pod. And I would say, well, it doesn't, like you still could have avoided the dirty hit had you just thrown the ball away. It was a busted screenplay that was there, which a lot of quarterbacks would throw it. Or if he would have slid head first. And I know he dove, but there is semantics in the rules. If you are outside the pocket, you become a runner. If you slide feet first, you are protected. The, the defense cannot touch you. You are giving yourself up. But if you go head first, like it's you're extending for extra yards. So you're still competing. You're still trying to do extra. And defenders know this. That's why I think Jadavion Clowney saw him. Oh, he's running. I can take a pop at him. And you can argue whether he thought it was dirty or not. But that's that's where the valid claim is. And I just want to make something very, very clear because I think this was something that also some of the vitriol was coming. I don't think Carson Wentz is soft. I don't think he's not tough enough. It has nothing to do with that. It's just for whatever reason, he has struggled to finish seasons, to finish games, whatever it is. And for me, I think it's a valid observation, and I think it's a concern. And to your point, Will, I do think he needs to learn how to play the game smarter in order to keep his to keep on the field so that he can go out there and finish games. And part of that is protecting yourself, knowing when to slide, when to throw it away, when to run out of bounds and all those things. And it's, it's a real compliment to him 
that he does try to do too much. Like he wants to do everything and lay his body on the line and make every play. And that's a tribute to him as a competitor and as a tough player. But in order to be a smart player who can survive the season and finish the team in the playoffs, he's got to learn how to play the position a little bit smarter. I, I'm with you. I mean, look, he's he was drafted in 2016. The Eagles have won a Super Bowl since then. He has never he has never thrown more than four passes in a playoff game. The Eagles have been in the playoffs three times. Like that's, I don't know. I mean, like that. You know, if you're if if you're the starting franchise quarterback who's got a huge contract and you are not, and I'm not I, I'm not trying to blame him for the injuries. I just think that is part of why you end up like if you play like that and you play reckless and it's great and it wins your team's games. But like, then you get hurt. And also the other thing too, and I don't know why this is not, we didn't mean to turn this into a Carson Wentz podcast, but like the other problem is if you, I don't think playing like that fits Doug Peterson's system. To me, that was always sort of part of the problem that people had with the Foles versus Wentz debate and sort of flew under the radar. It was like, it's not like Nick Foles is some magical clutch guy. He is, and he plays well in these big spots, but he's also just a really good fit for Doug Peterson's system, and that's why it worked well. He's a rhythm guy. Doug could get him rolling, and Carson loves to extend plays more. It's not quite the same rhythm type of thing, and I think that's maybe why you see him struggle a little bit more and sort of deal with the the Foles issue. Anyway. Yep, you're spot on, 100%. Um, You know what? The Eagles quarterbacks, again, sorry, Debo, are not in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Diva. He's shaking his head over here. He's so mad at you right now. And he so bad wants to chime in and defend uh, his boy Carson Wentz. There's not, I mean, it's, and I'm not, it's not a criticism, just observation. All right. So who is playing in the court? Who is playing? I think Wentz, Wentz is incredibly talented. Yeah. You're right. You're right. right. You know, it's not a Wentz podcast. It's not, it's not a Danny's (laughs) tweets Wentz podcast. Thank you. Um, But people can listen to that. They can, they can, you know, take it what they will. Uh, We're going to rank the quarterbacks who are, who are in the playoffs instead. Um, so do we want to, Debo, do we want to go, uh, top two? We'll go reverse order. You can unveil your bottom three. And this, the criteria here is if you had to win one playoff game and there's eight quarterbacks left, everybody knows the eight quarterbacks, right? And I'm not going to say them because I'll accidentally say them in the order that I've got them in. Um, but there's only eight teams left and the, the quarterbacks that are left are left. Uh, we're going to go reverse order. And this is if you want to win one playoff game, who do you want as your QB? So who are your bottom three Danny all right some people might be surprised at these bottom three because of one name specifically and I'll get to that in a second but I'll go with eight and I'll be surprised if you have anybody else at eight Mm. it's got to be Ryan Tannehill I mean Ryan Tannehill is a player who was discarded from the Miami Dolphins you know and he's had a nice resurgence there but for anybody that would have a really confident yeah he's my guy I'm going to take him I'd be surprised I don't think it's a knock cuz we're getting to the elite part of the season when we're talking about some of the premier quarterbacks so I have Ryan Tannehill at 8 at 7 is where this one hurts me will because <laughs> I am a Kirk Cousins believer oh boy I actually took a flyer on him in the preseason to win the MVP me of too. the National Football League yes and it was a 150 to 1 proposition so I thought it was outstanding odds and it was looking pretty good there early in the season. Remember, he had 20 touchdowns and one interception, I believe. He was on fire early. And then Lamar Jackson happened, so he fell off the radar. But I have him at seven because of, yes, it was impressive. Yes, he got off the schneid, so to speak, by getting a win against a winning team, getting a playoff win in New Orleans. The throw to Adam Thielen was maybe one of his prettiest throws and best throws that he's made in his entire career. The touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph was impressive, 
But even when I was watching that game, Will, in the first half, maybe for three quarters, I was just nervous for him. Like, and it was really close to being a, oh no, this is why Kirk Cousins can't win this type of game. And I would say one game doesn't buck a trend. Hmm. And so I'm still sort of nervous. And I think the Vikings, as much as the quarterback means to this team, I think the team only goes as far as Dalvin Cook can take them. And I had that philosophy going into the New Orleans game and Dalvin Cook was awesome. And I would kind of stick with that. So like if you need a quarterback who's going to, you're going to solely rely on him, I'd still have Kirk Cousins a little bit down the list and it hurts me to do it, but I'll have him at seven. And then I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G at six, who's had a really impressive season. This is all, all about experience in the playoffs. What have you done? How much? It's a different vibe. Like, and I haven't seen it yet. So I'm still looking at him just with a little bit of lack of, a little bit of doubt. Like, all right, can he do this in the playoff atmosphere? All right. We got two or three of the same. Um, I'm not, I'm not there on cousins. I do think that it's interesting. The concept of, so Ryan Tannehill made his first playoff start against the Patriots in New England. He attempted, I think, like one and a half passes, basically. I mean, right. he did make, he made a couple of great throws to Fer, old, Fer, old Ferkser, whatever the hell his first name is. Uh, the, the touchdown pass was awesome. It was a laser. And then the third, third and six, um, where he threw to the outside, uh, it, you know, it was a Belichick sold out it was like, all right, if you want to make a throw and beat us, Ryan Tannehill, make a throw and beat us. And the same thing with Cousins. Like, I agree with you. I think, for a large portion of that game, A, he was probably sort of nervous about winning a big game. And B, his coach doesn't, like Mike Zimmer probably didn't trust him to win a big game. I mean, they, Mike Zimmer had no interest in throwing down the field when they had a 2010 lead. And then finally it gets to overtime and they let Cousins uncork it. And that throw to Thielen, to me, that throw to Ferkser on the outside, the third and six, and the, the throw to Thielen and then the, 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 the subsequent throw to, Adam, to Kyle Rudolph for the touchdown by Cousins. Those two, those, those group of passes, are the sort of freeing, like, okay, I did it. It's done. I can do it. Like, like you finally jumped off the high dive or something as a kid. I, I don't know if that's a great example. Or like, you finally made a, a shot while playing golf that you didn't think you could make or that you were worried, like, tweaking your swing. You're like, okay, you know what? I've got that in the bag now. And so uh, I've got uh, Tannehill a little bit higher. I have Jimmy G last. I think the reason why is – um, you know, you, Cousins lo- loves to have Dalvin Cook there and Tannehill loves to have Derrick Henry, but I don't know that, right, that Jimmy Garoppolo is getting it done without Kyle Shanahan. And so I think, you know, independent of like, we just got to have this guy to win a playoff game. He's never won one. He's the only guy on the list. Um, actually, I guess Lamar Jackson hadn't won one, but he's, he's, you know, he hasn't won a playoff game and I need to see him in that start. Very interesting test against a good defense here. I've got him last. I have, uh, Ryan Tannehill, seventh. That's not a knock on Ryan Tannehill. It's just where he is in the, in the pantheon. And this is a surprise at, uh, at sixth. I have Aaron Rodgers and that seems like blasphemy and I'm okay with it. But you know what? I got, I need, just like I need Jimmy Garoppolo to prove it to me and just like you need Cousins and Tannehill to prove it to you. I need Aaron Rodgers to prove to me that he's not washed up because I don't know that I saw that this year. We saw moments and flashes where we're like, all right, Rodgers is great. And I think there's a possibility he goes nuclear on the playoffs over the next couple of weeks. But as of right now, I just don't know that what we've seen from Rodgers, like Monday night in Minnesota against a Vikings team that was willing to just cough it up, he wasn't he wasn't Rodgers. And I just don't know if he's Rodgers. So I got to see it again, and I'm willing to look like a dumbass now 
for to be right later. If that makes sense. I think you're gonna look like a dumbass. I really do. Like, <laughs> no offense. That's I say that very respectfully. I said I said it first. No offense <laughs> taken. Yes, you did. I still think. I mean, when you have the conversation of greatest quarterbacks in the game today, I think we all often overlook Aaron Rodgers still. And I know his numbers aren't quite as great as some of the seasons that he's had in the past. But you mentioned playoff experience. Maybe the most of this group that we're talking about. I haven't looked at the numbers if Russell has more, but I think Aaron Rodgers has more playoff experience. So the most experience in this position. Um, I still think he has Rodgers-like quality. And I'm not going to give a bad game against a really good defense enough for me to knock them. They were still a 13-win team. How crazy is that? That And we talk about Super Bowl favorites, and you know we'll talk about the Saints were really a popular pick. The 49ers yeah. are a popular pick. Um, the AFC, it's all. The Ravens are going to win it. Nobody's really talking about the Packers as a viable Super Bowl winning team. And Aaron Rodgers alluded to this probably about five or six weeks ago when he said, hey, Nobody's giving us of credit. People are kind of sleeping on us. And I would agree with him. And maybe the best part about this team is that they don't need Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers necessarily. He's got – now their weapons aren't – It's there's no Michael Thomas on his roster. But he's also got some depth there. You know, Aaron Jones has emerged as a running back. You got Jimmy Graham who's had a nice season. Like they're getting more production from other players. He's able to spread the ball around a little bit more. So I think that can be a good thing for the Packers. Yeah, and look, you're right about the odds. Um so right now, if you look at them, the Ravens are two to one, the 49ers are three to one, the Chiefs are three and a half to one, and the Packers are eight and a half to one. And the only reason they fell from 13 to one is because the Saints were eliminated. The Saints were five to one and the Packers were 13 to one. Jeez. That's, that's backward. I mean, like, I get it. I like this. I thought the Saints were better too. And they got handed a rough deal by getting the, the six seed in the Packers, but, or the Vikings, excuse me. But like a team that has a bye and is 13 and three and has home field um, for at least one game should not be 13 to one when a team that has to play on wild card weekend is five to one, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now like you look at this list, there's three teams that are the one and two seeds that are three and a half to one or less. And then the Packers, like the market, the betting market does not respect green Bay. And I don't think anybody does. And I would agree with you. If Rogers goes nuclear, then this team could end up winning the Lombardi and I will look like a, uh, a dumbass. And I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Who do you, right. uh, who do you now, now, I think when you look at Rodgers, you do have to conclude. So if he has a wealth of playoff experience, Matt LaFleur, their head coach, has none. You know, that, so like, dude, that, that matters. CERN, you know? Yeah. Like, so it absolutely matters. How about like, to, you mentioned college football, like Ryan Day is probably, if he'd, if he'd coached a playoff game before or coaching like more, like the Big Ten championship game was his first game, you know, like eliminate, quote unquote elimination game really in the playoffs. For, um, you know, for Ohio State and then the college football semifinal against Clemson. Like, I think even Sean McDermott, who'd been to the playoffs before, I think that that experience matters a lot when you're making decisions in a very, very big moment. I would not be surprised at all if we sort of saw Matt LaFleur make a mistake or two on in divisional, in the divisional round against the Seahawks. And which could be really costly because this is the, this is the type of season when one bad decision can cost you your season. So yep. you're right. That's a, that's a very valid concern. And that's, and that's not on Aaron Rodgers. So, no. but still, um, all right. Who do you have at four and five? All right. Four and five for me. So it's five. And these ones were tough for me because I kind of was going back and forth, but I went with Deshaun Watson at five. Mm. I think he's an unbelievable player. He put the team on his back. Now, one of the things that concerns me about Deshaun Watson 
is the lack of protection he's been getting. Like I worry about him being able to pull out that kind of the, putting on the Superman cape the way he did against the Bills in the second half when he was sacked so many times, was getting hit. It really it had the resemblance of hope. They're they're put he's putting the team on his back, and so that's why I gave. Um, Lamar Jackson, the edge over to Sean Watson. Cause I do think in all of this, you do have to consider the big picture. Like who, who are they playing with? And I think you have to look at, all right, what are your weaknesses and what could teams possibly take away? And if like, that's why I had Ryan Tannehill eight. If, if the Ravens are able to take away the run game, they're able to stop Derrick Henry. Then all of a sudden, I think you'd see Ryan Tannehill exposed. Right. And that's where I'd have Sean Watson higher. Yeah. If you take away some of the other elements, he's still a special player, but I worry about you know, hey, how much can he do on his own? And that was a great storyline coming back from 16 to nothing. But, you know, I'm, I'm still concerned. That's why I don't have him above Lamar Jackson, because I do think Lamar Jackson, if you take everything away, he's still a weapon in himself. And yep. the most dangerous weapon we've seen at the quarterback position in the history of the game. And I would say that includes Michael Vick. And I took a lot of slack for saying that early in the season. I think it's proven out over the course of the season that, yeah, it is. He is the most dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position we have seen. And so for that reason, that's why I gave Lamar, even with the lack of experience in this position, I still think if you take everything away, he's such a scary athlete. He can create. And I think it's a little bit better than Deshaun Watson's ability to create. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that. I've got Lamar four and Kirk Cousins five. And I think, look, one through four, I, I understand that's where people might get butthurt about this, but I mean, they're all really close. You know, right. you're, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a very close group of quarterbacks here. So, I mean, like, I don't think Lamar Jackson, like, just cause he's the MVP and I have him fourth doesn't mean I don't think he should be the MVP. I'm not going full poly in here or anything like that. Um, I, I do think that, uh, Cousins at five for me was a pretty easy one. I, having him one above Rodgers feels right in a weird way. Uh, I think he's been the better quarterback this year. I do worry about winning one playoff game and I'm handing it the keys to Kirk Cousins instead of Aaron Rodgers, but I'm okay with that. I'm willing to be progressive and think that that's what's going to happen in the future. Although saying it out loud does feel uh, fairly stupid. And then, um, like you, I have Lamar Jackson at four. I have, I have Sean Watson higher, but I do think Jackson, um, it let's, you know, Look, he's, he's incredible and he's going to be awesome. And I don't think that, I think that we, everybody, even the people who picked him to like win, I mean, anybody who took, picked him to win MVP, even those people probably, he's probably exceeding what they expected from him. I just need to see it. Uh, you know, we saw him that one game against the Chargers last year. And I do think that, um, you know, without the weapons that he has, it will be interesting to see. You know, it would have been really interesting to see what the Patriots could do against him the second time around defensively. I think it'll be fascinating to see what Dean Pease, who, you know, comes from a, a Patriots school of, of thinking could do against him and obviously has uh, experience, you know, with Baltimore. So to me, this is a really interesting matchup to watch with them. Uh, who are your top three? All right. So my top three, I'm coming in with Patrick Mahomes at three. Mm. Um, I, so he, I think we've kind of forgotten about him and what he's the type of player he was after coming off that season with 50 touchdowns was like, whoa. Uh, I think the Chiefs are probably the biggest sleeper in the playoffs, although the word is kind of getting out on them. And if we're starting to whittle down there, it's hard to even find a sleeper as far as value goes. But I still think you combine Patrick Mahomes with the weapons that he has, with Andy Reid's, you know, offensive genius. And I think it's really hard 
to, you know, look much further down the list and say, all right, who's better than Patrick Mahomes? So I have Patrick Mahomes three. Russell Wilson I give to two. Now, the thing that concerns me is about kind of the Seahawks team has been really inconsistent. They've been really slow out of the gate. But if you talk about trust and who would you want for one game, Russell Wilson just figures it out, maybe more so than anybody else in this list, just figures out a way to win games. And it's extending plays on third down like he did in Philly. Um, it's running the ball, tucking it and running it, which he did a lot earlier in his career when he was winning Super Bowls or winning his Super Bowl with the Seahawks. He just has an incredible ability to figure out whatever you're throwing at him, to figure out whether he's down, whatever the score is, how to make a play. So I have him at number two. And then for me, number one, your number six is Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Folks, playoff experience, you know, one of the best in the history history. Still think he's got plenty left in the tank. So I have Aaron Rodgers, number one, most confidence in. Um, that's, I don't have a problem. I mean, look, he's 36. He's past his prime. He's still Aaron Rodgers. Like the idea that I'm calling him the fit, what I call him fit five, six, mm -hmm. there's six. I call him six, the sixth best quarterback that I would trust here is terrifying. Um, I, I get it. I get why you have him one. I, I actually think the best argument would be for Russell Wilson at one, just because Wilson, more than any of these other quarterbacks has just shown this proclivity to be clutch as hell. Yeah. And he shows up in big games. He does it with bad offense. Like that offensive line that was playing for him against Philly was completely makeshift. I mean, they were, and they were getting stomped too. They, he does it with bad coaching. Like they run on first and second down. And then I think they, I think they went five of six on third and 10 or longer against the Eagles, which is just doesn't happen like that. You don't, you don't do that and win a football game. Um, you know, Russell avoids sacks and he's just makes magic happen. His ability to extend plays and throw downhill, downfield, uh, while on the run is to me second to none. So I had him two. I had Deshaun Watson three. Deshaun Watson's basically like mini Russell Wilson. His, the coaching is bad. They run on first and second down. They don't. You know, utilize DeAndre Hopkins the way that they should. They, you know, when he has Will Fuller, he's better. They, they, they basically put him in a bad spot and then are like, Hey man, can you do that magic stuff you do? Yes. I mean, it's like, it's like why are you doing this? You have to, Sean Watson's really good. Just let him run an offense. You know, like you feel like if you put him in Doug Peterson's offense, he would be, maybe he holds the ball too long too. But at any rate, uh, I have Watson three, Wilson two, and then I have Mahomes one. And this is a bit of recency bias. I think you're right. He is flying under the radar like who would have won mvp if lamar wasn't locking it down russ i guess i mean cousins that I mean, not that because they didn't make the playoff like who's the mvp winner man i think it probably would be russell wilson because of the run he's been on yeah and it's almost like one of those ones where if you include the playoffs kirk cousins maybe would come back in that conversation mm. um but I think it probably would have been Russell Wilson without that. But, but Mahomes, imagine if Mahomes didn't get hurt at all. Yeah. Like, and still kind of had, kind of people didn't forget about him. They didn't write him off. There was, I think they were six and four to start the season. And then they kind of went and finished off the season stronger to make a run later in the playoffs. So they kind of just were just an afterthought. And yet he comes back. He's still the same player he was last year. The knee injury wasn't anywhere near as bad as it appeared to be when it was on the field and it looked like horrific. Oh my gosh, this could be career ending. He's back to a hundred percent. He's shown the ability to go on the road if necessary, go rent in tough places, win in the snow, even if it's, a, if it's at home, the way I think it was Denver that he played in like this blizzard that was out there. Like he's shown everything that made him just that special player that he was last year. So 
I have Aaron at one, but I could totally like the top three. Yeah. I do think are in a league of their own. Like I think if you tiered this, I do think one, two, and three would be hands down in any order. And then there's a drop off. And even though Lamar Jackson is a, you know, is an MVP, surefire MVP, there still is a part of it that say, Hey, you have to do this in the next round. You have to do this when there's more at stake. You have to do this, you know, just at the next level. And so that's the one reason where I think those top three are a little bit more surefire as far as separating themselves from the rest of the pack. Yeah, that's sort of the other reason, too, like I have Deshaun Watson above Lamar Jackson, is I've seen him do it against Nick Saban in Alabama in in college. Like, I don't – I know that – I watch Lamar a lot. and I mean, I'm sure you did, too. You're FSU guy, you know, I'm a yeah. low-level NC State guy. But, um, you know, I – like, they didn't ever play anything, right? I mean, I think they played in – like I think NC State beat them in the Belk Bowl one year or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. And they were eight or nine win team. It wasn't like they yeah. were, you know, playing with no, a I mean, lot no, of he, things. he got, like he got y'all that year where he won the Heisman bad. Yep. It, Put up like 60 against us. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, whoa, that's okay. That's a coming out party. And I think he, but he lost to Clemson that year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the last, him and Deshaun. Yeah. Cause that was the rematch this year that's when right. they went to Baltimore was the rematch of that game. And if there were 10 more seconds on the clock, Lamar Jackson might have finished it off. Like yeah. he was leading them in for a drive and like the clock ran out on him. And it was That's literally, right. it was that close. And it yeah. was that type of, you know, spectacular fireworks between those two going back and forth. But we, but we just haven't seen him do it at a, at a playoff level. And we'll probably, again, probably look like a dumbass come Sunday. Um, <laughs> the thing about Patrick Mahomes. So they were, when he, when he got injured against Denver in Denver on that Thursday night game that they won with, with Matt Moore. Um, taking away that game that they won, they were four and two, and they were coming into that game off of two straight losses to Indy and Houston at home. But his ankle was already banged up, and it may, like, in a weird way, be a blessing in disguise that he had to miss time with the knee injury because I think it allowed his ankle to heal up, and they finally got him off the field. The offensive line got healthy, and then over his final seven games, he completed 67% of his passes, averaged 264 passing yards per game, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions, you know, 7.6 yards per attempt, uh, 7.8 adjusted yards per attempt. Nothing crazy like his MVP season, Danny. But to me, if you watch Mahomes play in those final seven games, he was in, like, it, it's weird. His volume stats were down, but the eye test, he was in complete command of this offense. And they were up big in a lot of these games. Like they beat Denver 23-3. They beat Chicago 26-3. Um, you know, they beat the Chargers 31-21. I don't know if it was that close. Oakland 40 to 9. They weren't having to, to, to go nuts offensively. And so I really think what we're about to see from Mahomes over the next three games has a chance to be really special. If, you know, he's had the bye, he and Andy Reid got to sit down. I, I think, we could, like, I mean, I think if you can find a, I don't know what, like, I took the Chiefs before the playoff, before week 17 to, at seven to one. I still think they're the best bet. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I think it's because Patrick Mahomes, that's why I have him one is just, we're going to find out in the next three weeks that he's operating this offense at a level un, un, unseen before. I agree. And then the other thing that people are overlooking too is the defense. Yep. You know, I know we're, t- I know this is a quarterback segment, but the Chiefs defense, has actually been really strong been down awesome. the stretch. Yeah, they've been really good. I mean, they 
I mean, I know it's not a, a huge accomplishment to hold New England. It's, it's, it's kind of evidence throughout. But their last four games, last five games, they only gave up nine points to the Raiders, 16 to the New uh, Patriots. For, then they had they pitched two, you know, field goal only games against the Bronco and the Bears, and they gave up uh, 21 in a game that didn't really matter there against the Chargers at the end. So I was curious to get your thought on this one because I do not know which side to go. Do you lay the nine and a half in this game? Because I think these spreads with these monster numbers are way too big for playoff atmospheres. I just think like you see the best of play. I, that line scares me. Like I would, it's, I don't, if you're going to take one way, I'd say you'd have to take Texans in the points. Don't you think? So I, I, I was kind of looking at this for my picks column, which should be up in CBS. Uh, will be, it's up right now by the time people will look at it. Um, if you look at these since 2010, um, teams with, uh, teams who are favored by seven points or more, are 12 and 8 in the divisional round or 12 and 8 against the spread. But if you take out the New England Patriots out of that, and I understand that that's sort of dumb, but I, I think it actually kind of makes sense because the Patriots were favored by like 13 and, and beat a bunch of teams. Um, the, uh, the, the underdogs are 10 and 2 against the spread. Like wow. it's, it's just hard to cover a double digits in a, in a playoff game like this because if you're up, if you're up 17, you're up 14, whatever it is, you know, we've seen these coaches. There aren't many coaches who are just going to go foot to the gas. They're going to try and run the clock out. I see, I think you see Houston come back. So I would lean the dog in almost every game except this one. I just think that Chiefs defense is going to be a problem and it's going to be tougher to come back if you're Houston. But I, I if you want to take Houston the points, I don't blame you at all. Yeah. I just think the playoff atmosphere, playoff vibe is what you were talking about. It's just usually you get the best coaches call games differently. I know they're yep. prolific on offense, but you start playing with a lead, you start watching the clock. Hey, we just, we just got to escape. We just need to win. You're not worried about, Hey, let's impress or let's finish the season ranked to a certain spot. You know, statistically, it's we got to get a win and let's just get out of here and get to the next round. Win in advance. No, I'm, I'm with you. And we've seen, uh, we've certainly seen Andy Reid do that plenty. All right. Danny Cannell got to go do HQ, got to do a radio show, got to go fire out some tweets. Philly fans, uh, follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Thanks, buddy. Good times, man. Awesome stuff. Thanks for having me on. I was getting a little worried because I felt like Brady Quinn was your favorite quarterback. No, 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 no. I love all quarterbacks equally. (laughs) Awesome stuff. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.